Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported. That means we truly depend on you in order to bring this resource to you. If you don't already support us financially, you could do so. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. You'll see our three friendly yellow buttons there. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. Click on one of them and fill that out. If you'd like to support us the traditional way, you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Monday, May 13th, 2019. Yes, that excitement in my voice can only mean one thing. It's time for the Worst Teaser Sermon of the Year contest. (laughs) We're going to ease into it today. Although we have some days where it's going to be two sermons. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseboro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you to slow down. Stop. Open up your Bible and compare. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Sadly, there is No shortage of crazy things being said out there. We take the time to open up God's Word to compare and contrast what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolates, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those who we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying in whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, weird how that works. Over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine that's put forward for consumption by the average evangelical, far from biblical, far from what God's Word says, there's just a whole lot of deception going on out there, and we try to unpack that for you. And biblically show you the corrective. Uh, what we do here is, if you were to put it in nautical, nautical terms, we're giving you a map and we show you where the, the shoals are. We show you where the, the reefs are, the places to avoid if you don't want to shipwreck your faith. You see how that works? Yeah, I just came up with that. Um. <laughs> All right, so um, today we launch into the Worst Easter Seven of the Year contest, and once again, our listeners have just provided me with Ugh. Hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of listening to just the worst stuff ever. So I've started picking through them, putting them into different piles like I normally do. And you know, we've have a different we have different varieties of bad Easter sermonage that we will be listening to. Some days we will listen to one sermon. There may be two on one occasion. I don't think I can handle three in one in one day. But all of these will be uh, you will be able to vote on them. At uh, Once the contest is, we have all of them posted, you will be able to go online and choose who you think deserves this year's wonderful uh, title of you know, the pastor who preached the worst Easter sermon of the year. So... Yeah, and uh, and all of this again is to demonstrate, you know, if there's going to be a if there's going to be a a, a a Sunday when we need to hear the centrality of the cross, Christ, Him crucified for our sins, uh, a proper understanding of law and gospel, sin, grace, and things like that, and uh, Jesus overcoming death, His sacrifice being accepted by the Father, you know, things like this, and that because of Him and what He's done, we too have eternal life. You know, themes like that that you can find in the Biblical accounts of uh, the post-resurrection appearances of Christ. Well, then, yeah, that's what you're supposed to hear, and that's not always what we get. No, we get something different a lot of times. 
Case in point, contestant number one is Perry Noble of Second Chance Church. Now, part of the reason why he makes the cut is because of what he does with the resurrection here, and it's just awful. Uh, The other part of it is due to the fact that he shouldn't even be preaching this sermon because he hasn't been properly restored to ministry. He's apparently restored himself. And, you know, and there's something about this sermon that I find to be uh, based upon therapy. But not only that, it just seems self-serving as it relates to Perry Noble in a in a weird way and not in a gospel way in in a bad way. So let's get to it contestant number 1 of the 2019 worst Easter sermon of the year contest. Let's do this. Wow wow wow. Wow wow wow. The good, the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's Easter sermon, contestant number one in the worst Easter sermon of the year contest, uh, titled Overcome, delivered by Perry Noble at Second Chance Church out there in Anderson, South Carolina. And um, like I've already said, it's quite self-serving, and there's something he does with the resurrection and what it means here. That just sounds like therapy to me and not an actual valid inference regarding what really occurred on the resurrection and what that means for us, but uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. (laughs) So let's go ahead and back off on the music. Without any further ado, here's contestant number one, Perry Noble. I I showed up last night and sat through Run Through, and... And Erica sang that song, and I was like, oh, my God, this is good. And and so it's one of the – Yeah, already. I just have to ask the question. Um, we we noted this with Jim Baker and Lance while now. Last week, when did OMG become okay? When did that become okay? You know, because when I was a kid, you know, back in the Stone Age, you know, it, you, know you, you would get your ears boxed if you did that and told that you were – blaspheming God's name and taking God's name in vain. Now people are, you know, Christians and leaders and stuff like that are saying that like, it's like it's nobody's business and nobody's correcting them. When did this become okay? I've sat through every run through. I've sat through every service. And I mean, didn't the band just smoke that song? I mean, I mean, didn't they? My gosh. Well, at least this year he didn't start off with Highway to Hell. I mean, he has done that in the past on Easter Sunday. And yeah, no, I'm not making that up. That's legitimately what has happened in the past. Uh, We continue. I can say this at Second Chance. Like, they rolled it up and smoked it. You know what I'm saying? So, anyway, if you don't know what that means, ask your grandchild. Um, Yeah, so, Easter Sunday... Uh, the uh, Second Chance Band, according to Pastor Perry Noble, rolled it up and smoked it. You see, we're only 30 seconds into this thing, and already I'm I'm cringing. You know, there's this, this something wrong here. How many of you, how many of you, uh, and, and this, is, this is just a question. I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm not going to make anybody stand up or say anything. How many of you uh, love the game? You've played the game of, of golf. Raise your hand, golf golfer people. Golf. Um, how many of you have ever been? You've you've been to the Masters. You've you've been. Oh wow! Okay, look, awesome. A lot of rich people here. Um, <laughs> how many? And you just have to wonder: Did he note that because he's looking for a big offering? How many have never played golf in your life? Never played golf? Okay, lots of us. Okay, now that, that's me. And there's a couple of reasons. I'm not anti-golf. I'm not the anti-golf guy. I don't know if you've ever met that guy or girl. I'm not anti-golf. I just never played. And there's a couple of reasons. There's a couple of reasons I stay away from golf. Number one, I can't hit the ball. I physically, it's a hand-eye coordination thing. 
When I played baseball one year, my batting average was zero because I couldn't, I can't hit the ball. Now, I want to go ahead and save you because there's always a dude, and it's always a dude. And after I talk about this, he's like, hey, man, I would love to take you to the driving range. Sir, I don't want to go. I have no desire to go to the driving range. I'm 47 years old. I ain't trying to hit a golf ball. I'm trying to eat a cheeseburger, all right? So I, I, and the second reason that I have problems with golf is because I went to play as a 16-year-old for the first time, and my brother-in-law, who took me, um, he allowed me to caddy for him. So nice of him. And I was talking to him while he was trying to hit the ball. Now, evidently, this is not cool in golf. You can't talk to golfers, which I don't understand. Because baseball players have people yelling and screaming at them, and here's the ball coming at 900 miles an hour. But golfers, you know, you can't talk to them. So anyway, I'm talking to him, and he, he got so angry. He got so angry at me. This is what he said. He said, go get in the cart and wait for me on the green. So I took the golf cart and I drove it right up on to the green. You know, um, normally a sermon begins with a biblical text and uh, not Perry Noble sermons. No, apparently... His sermons begin with a mandatory uh, stand-up comedy routine and musings about his life. No mention of Christ, him crucified, risen from the grave for this Easter sermon yet. Um, maybe he'll get around to it, but uh, he's got to do the mandatory stand-up comedy routine to, you know, to break the ice, apparently, because he's all about relevance, you know. Now, for those of you who don't know, in golf world, you can go to hell for this. I mean, it's, and he got to the green and he said some stuff that if I repeated it, we'd have to start third chance church. All right. Because it was unreal. So, so I'm not like a golf fan, but I'm a sports fan. I'm a sports fan. I love sports. And so while I'm not a hockey fan, I always want to know who won the Stanley Cup. While I'm not necessarily a NASCAR fan, I'm always interested in who won the Daytona 500. That's like the Super Bowl of racing, right? Um, while I'm, I, I'm not as big of a baseball fan, I do want to know who won the World Series. I'm And college football, pro football, I, I'm just a sports fan. So for me... I'm always particularly interested in the Masters, and the reason why is because I believe it's the Super Bowl of golf tournaments, and it's because it's so close. Augusta's like, what, two hours away or whatever? And so last week, last week, I was really interested in the Masters, specifically because Tiger Woods was in a position when we met last Sunday to actually win the Masters. Now, I didn't tell anybody I was pulling for Tiger, and the reason why is I'm superstitious. I'm very, very superstitious when it comes to sports, all right? Like when Clemson played Alabama the first time in the national championship, I went and they lost. So the next time they played them, I didn't go. I didn't go. And they won. And then they won again. They kept winning. Anyway, so so I, I, I was watching. And when Tiger won last week. So, yeah, the, you can see where this train's coming from yeah, as it's head, heading down the track in slow motion towards the cliff. Yeah. So he, no joke. Yeah, spoiler alert here, is going to compare Tiger Woods' victory at the Masters Tournament this year to Jesus' resurrection from the grave. Yeah, 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 this is why he's making the cut this year. I got to be, be honest with you, I was a little emotional. I got a little emotional just th because I thought about his story. He's got a fascinating story. Let me just recap it really quick. Um, the first time I ever heard about Tiger Woods was in 1996. And uh, I was out of college for a couple years. And he turned, he turned pro. And I liked him because his name was Tiger Woods. Like, you don't name your kid Gamecock Woods, right? Because that would be like, because he'd get beat up all the time. Anyway, um, I liked him because his name was Tiger. I was like, that's awesome. But I remember them saying that this guy is probably going to be one of the best golfers of all time. And I'm like, well, how can you say that? I mean, it's just now. But then the very next year, he wins the Masters at the age of 21. 21 years old and wins the Masters. And he's got all this notoriety. And people are going crazy. So crazy over Tiger that he actually got his own PlayStation game. And this is when you've officially, this is when, this is the only golf I can play. And by the way, let me just, side note. 
PlayStation 2, that game, I'll dominate anybody in this room. That is a challenge, but we will have to put money on it, all right? So this is where I really got to learn the game of golf is through this type. And Tiger Woods, for the next several years, he dominated golf. He won the Masters, like, uh, I think, total of four or five times. He won all the, the major tournaments. He was, he was getting endorsement deals. I mean, his life was as, I mean, he was at the top of the world. But then in 2008, he got a knee injury. And it always starts with something small. He tore his ACL. By the way, he played a tournament with a torn, torn ACL and won it. But then things started to spiral out of control. 2010, it became public that his marriage. And by the way, marriage issues are hard enough to work through behind the scenes. Can you imagine having to do it publicly like he did? His, mar- his, his marriage falls apart publicly. Um, accusations of infidelity publicly. In and out of treatment centers. I mean, the guy's life. And he was trying, he kept, kept trying to come back and play golf. But he was so frustrated because he couldn't seem to win again. And then I remember this picture being shown when he got so frustrated, he kicked his putter. And this is where people are like, you know what? We think Tiger Woods is done. And it seemed like his life continued to spiral out of control. And everybody in this room that's aware of him, we all thought it was over in 2017 when he got arrested for DUI. I remember this. I mean, and I chose this specific um, newspaper. Because of the phrase, washed up golf legend, busted in Florida. <laughs> now, you, you can't help but think that the reason why he, you know, has such an affinity to Tiger Woods and his crash and burn is because Barry Noble had a similar crash and burn himself, removed from ministry for alcoholism has never been properly restored to ministry, just a note. So we're learning a lot, man, about Tiger Woods and his comeback in his victory at the Masters this year. Um, No mention of Jesus yet or the resurrection. Just pointing that out. I wonder what they wrote about last weekend. But, But everybody thought he was washed up. So when he makes this comeback last week, the greatest comeback people are arguing of of all time. I mean, people are absolutely going crazy. And the reason I got so emotional is I started thinking not just about my life, but I started thinking about the lives of people that I know. Yeah, there it is. He was thinking about his life. Yeah, this is really about Perry Noble's second chance, you know. For you know, achieving glory in the past, the celebrity pastor limelight. That's what I'm thinking here. Because there's some people in this room. Listen, your struggle isn't as public as Tiger's, but it's as painful. There's some people going through stuff in this room or watching online, and it's serious stuff. And you don't get the attention that this guy got. But you know what? You're feeling the same pressure. You're feeling the same pain. You feel discouragement. You feel doubt. Sometimes you feel fear. Sometimes you feel worry. And, and it, kind of, it kind of played right into the message that I feel like God wanted me to really focus on this Easter. Is there's a guy named Paul. Did, did you just catch what he just said there? He, he claimed divine inspiration for the focus of his sermon. Mm-hmm. Let me back this up. Listen again. And it kind of it kind of played right into the message that I feel like God wanted me to really focus on. Mm. So this is the message that God wanted Perry Noble to focus on. Got it? Easter is there's a guy named Paul in the scriptures, and and he he writes this verse. In, in the book of Philippians, that is amazing because, because the reason I think it's amazing is because we as the church have allowed the world to out-celebrate us. Like we'll celebrate that more than we, we, we celebrate w- what Jesus is doing in, in, in the world sometimes. And that should be celebrated. That is, in, I think it's important, but in a hundred years when we're all dead, it won't matter. So, so... The comeback that I want to talk about today 
is not just Tiger's comeback. I want to talk about Jesus's comeback and why, because Jesus made a comeback, every single person in this room has the ability to make a comeback as well because Paul in Philippians... I'm in pain. And that's the reason why the sermon is in the contest this year. Because now Jesus' resurrection is likened to Tiger Woods' great comeback at the Masters. No kidding. And because Jesus had a comeback, you can have a comeback too. Well, here's the thing. Because Jesus rose from the grave... We, too, are going to rise from the grave as well. Is is that what you mean by a comeback, Perry? Oh, this is bad. And said this, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. That's the King James. We're going old school. We went ain't no grave and King James. In fact, this is what I want everybody to do right now. Yeah, um, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, Philippians 4.13 has nothing, nothing to do with the resurrection. And it's it's not promising you a comeback if you have a big moral failing. Uh. Out loud, I just want you, maybe you've never read the Bible. You're going to read the Bible for the first time today. I just want us to say this verse together. Everybody, even online, if you're in a car, hopefully you're not watching, you're listening. But but let's just say this verse together on three. One, two, three. I can do all things through Christ, which... And you can. You can. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove it to you because of what Jesus went through. And if we're a Christian, then Jesus lives in us, meaning, meaning if Jesus got through it, we can get through it too. I want to talk to you about three different types of pain today. Three different types of pain. So if you're a note taker, write this. So because Jesus got through it, you can get through it too. Yeah. Um, oh boy. And notice that this is all based upon Perry Noble's logic. This seems reasonable to him. So now we're going to talk about three kinds of pain. Okay. And if you're not a note taker, write this down. <laughs> Number one, relational pain. R- relational pain. We're, we're talking about relational pain on Easter Sunday. Lucky us. Okay. Anybody in here remember, don't raise your hand, your first breakup? Yeah. So, now, some of you are telling each other about it right now. You don't need to do that. It's church. Pay attention. It's probably at the skating rink. <clears throat> Remember, he lied to you. He told you he could skate backwards, and then the couple skate came up, and uh, <laughs> he couldn't skate backwards, and you just dropped him like a bad habit. You remember that? I remember a, a really bad breakup that I had, um, and I didn't have many because I didn't date a lot. I got turned. All right, so just so you know, um, we're going to hear more about Perry Noble right now than we are about Jesus' death on the cross and bodily resurrection from the grave. We're learning about life in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, you know. And a, a girl, yeah, a girl he had the hots for. Okay. More times than she's holiday in. So I, I, had, I had some dating issues anyway. Some of you will get that later. But I, I was dating this I was in college, I was dating this girl in high school. And um, I went to Anderson College, and she lived in Easley. And some of you are, are going to have to just Google this. But back during those days, we had to use this thing called a landline. It was insane. And to call – some of you remember this. To call, from, to call Easley was long distance, like $487 a minute. So, so, so it was like, love you, bye, click. Love you, bye, click. And so and she was one of those people – I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship like this, but like – like, have you ever seen those people when they're on the phone? Like, I love you. No, I love you. No, I love you. No, I love you. I love you the most. I love you the most. Okay, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, I hate that. So, I didn't know you played that game. Right? I was new to the dating scene. It's like, I love you. She's like, I love you too. I was like, okay. She said, you hang up. I went, click.
I learned that sometimes women say things they don't mean. She told me to hang up. She called me back. She said, what did you do? I'm like, you said hang up. I don't know. So anyway. There- More stand-up comedy by uh, Harry Noble. He should really try open mic night over at the improv. I think you'd do pretty well there. One weekend that I wasn't going to get to go home. We're not hearing anything about Jesus yet, and we are officially one-third of the way through this Easter sermon. Uh, because I was a broke, poor college student, and, and so I was like, I'm not going to come home this weekend. She's like, oh, I'm going to miss you so much. I was like, yeah, miss you too. I'm going to miss you too. No, I'm going to miss you the most. And so I played the game. But that afternoon, a friend of mine, her dad owned a furniture store, and she said, hey, my dad needs some guys to move some furniture. Would you like to make $40 cash this afternoon? I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go be a piece of furniture for $40 cash. So um, I got some money. I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to surprise her. I'm going to go to the football game and surprise her. And somebody like, how are you going to find her at the football game? It was easily. There's four people there. Um, so I remember I walked in the gate. There she was. She saw me. I saw her. And then I saw him. Now, this is, I don't have very many of these moments in my life, but this was one of the coolest moments of my life. I wish I would have a camera because this, this would have been a great movie moment. I literally walked up to them. She's cheating on me, by the way, for those of y'all who hadn't figured this out. I looked at the guy and I just said, leave. He said, I beg your pardon. I said, walk away. And he did. And I was like, that is awesome. <laughs> Now, I'm not going to tell you what I said to her, but we broke up, okay, because I was barely saved at the time. We broke up, and it was, it was relational pain, though. It was, it was a breakup, and it was relational pain, and everybody in this room, though we can kind of laugh at stuff like that, everybody in this room has some relational pain that's not so funny, and Jesus did. Now, we don't think about that sometimes because we think Jesus is this stoic figure, and everywhere he went, his robe was always white, even though in that part of the world, it's always dusty, but his robe was always white, and he always had a frown on his face, but... He didn't. Jesus laughed. Jesus smiled. Jesus was fully God, yes, but he was also fully human being. So he would have experienced some of the same things or the same things that you and I experienced. Now, he started his ministry when he was 30 years old, and he did ministry for about three years. And during the course of that three years, he recruited a team around him. And if you've read the Bible, if you ever you went, ever went to church, you've heard the names of some of his team members, like Peter, James, John, Andrew, Bartholomew, Thomas, you've heard of these guys. And they followed him everywhere he went. They did ministry. They did life with him. This wasn't like our friend groups. Like we hang out with somebody once a week and that's a friend. Or once every other week or once a month and that's a friend. And I'm not dissing on that. I'm just saying 2,000 years ago when Jesus hung out with these people, he did life with them. They were together Every single day. And the night before he was arrested. All right. So we're finally, finally, finally getting to something about Jesus. All right. So Jesus experienced relational pain. Got it. Yeah, this, this is probably heading towards Judasville. Okay. And put on trial and eventually crucified. He's having supper with them. And he said to them at the supper, tonight, I'm going to get arrested, and all of you are going to betray me. And all of them said the exact same thing to him that we would have said. I know I would have done this. All of them said, no way, Jesus. No way we're going to betray you. We're with you. We got your back. And Jesus said, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when it hits the fan, you got, this is my translation, when it hits the fan, you guys are going to leave. And and one of them even said, or actually the Bible says the whole group said, if we have to Die with you. We will die with you. I mean, it was legit. Yeah, so according to Perry Noble, Jesus said, when it hits the fan. Yeah. that I just love having that mental picture of the sinless, spotless Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yeah, you note that Jesus, in his leadership style, is just a lot like Perry Noble. And I think they meant it. I think their hearts were completely sincere. 
But when the soldiers showed up with torches and swords, things changed. And Matthew, who was there, who was actually one of the people in this group that's about to be described, said, then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Can you imagine in that moment being arrested, knowing you're about to be killed, and seeing the people that were closest to you that said they would never abandon you leave? How did that feel? That's relational pain. And there's people in this room and you're watching online that you've experienced relational pain. Maybe this year, maybe over the past five years, 10 years, 20 years. Maybe it was, it's a spouse or an ex-spouse. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a friend. Who hasn't experienced relational pain? Jesus died for our sins. These are our own transgressions against the holy law of God. And you are talking about how we may have experienced relational pain. Well, relational pain sometimes is caused by the fact that we were awful to a person. And therefore, we're the ones who caused the relational pain. The relationship died because of how awful we were. In other times, you have had a relationship that has dissolved and you've experienced relational pain because somebody has sinned against you and then you're a victim. But see, Jesus doesn't die for victims. He dies for perpetrators. Jesus is the victim. He is the one crucified, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yeah, so we, we, we got a problem here. Yeah. It's nice to know that Jesus can relate if you've ever experienced relational pain. It, again, who hasn't? Who, who, who hasn't experienced relational pain? I, I, I think you get the point that I'm trying to make. All right, we're going to pause right there. We are literally... Uh, like to the point where we're halfway through this Easter sermon. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate Christian. When we come back, the balance of this sermon. Uh, it, Contestant number one, worst Easter sermon of the year contest. Stay tuned, don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Relevance Schmelevance. We preach Christ crucified for our sins. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. I've had enough of this sissy, pansy, cannon fodder written music you have the audacity to call worship. Men, put this entire girly praise band in the boo box. Let's wheel in the organ and get some real worship music underway. Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio. It's... Marty Python's Flying Circus Church. New from Los Lobos Ministry Records. An album that's just oozing with the love of Christ. It's Pastor Perry Noble's new techno praise album entitled More Like Jesus. The songs on this album will melt your face off in a sanctified way. This album includes 
the number one purpose-driven praise techno dance song of all time, entitled, well, you might just want to hear it for yourself. If you're what about the jackass in the church, the jackass in the church is the person that always screams, I want to go deeper. You know what I tell people that say that around here? You're only as deep as the last person you serve. You know what I tell people that say that around here? You're only as deep as the last person you served. What about the jackass in the church? The jackass in the church is the person that always screams, I want to go deeper. What about the jackass in the church? The jackass in the church is the person that always screams, I want to go deeper. Don't you feel closer to Jesus after hearing that sample? Well, we've got another one for you, too. This one's entitled, You Officially Suck. I think that you officially suck as a human being. I think that you officially suck as a human being. Come on, listen, I'm playing games, we all. I think that you officially suck as a human being. I'm not playing games. I think that you officially suck as a human being. Other tracks include Your Grandma Smokes Weed and I Don't Like Hanging Out with People That Make Me Uncomfortable. Act now, and Los Lobos Ministry will even throw in a free bonus track by Stephen Furtick entitled, Cause They're Stupid. Here's a sample. Cause they're stupid, cause they're stupid. A lot of people don't like rock and roll in church. Cause they're stupid, cause they're stupid, cause they're stupid, cause they're stupid. A lot of people don't like rock and roll in church. Cause they're stupid, cause they're stupid. Cause they're stupid, cause they're stupid. A lot of people don't like rock and roll in church. Cause they're stupid, cause they're stupid. So act now and get Pastor Perry Noble's brand new techno praise album entitled More Like Jesus. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Oi, Captain, we got ourselves a heretic. (laughs) And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. (laughs) And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box. No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. is to heretic, to R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith 
could cause you to think that, you know, the resurrection of Jesus requires you to preach about Jesus' death and resurrection. You know, just saying. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. And you can partner with us. It is a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com, when you get there. You'll see our three friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. Uh, When you join our crew, uh, the the third one, by the way, says become a patron. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew. And rank is based upon your monthly commitment. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's Mate at $24.95 a month. From there, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month. And then Quartermaster, $99.95 a month. Joining our crew is a great way to support us. If you'd like to make a one-time contribution, click on the Donate button. If you'd like to become a patron on Patreon, click on the Become a Patron button. If you'd like to support us the traditional analog way, you can do that by making your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, heading back to Second Chance Church to listen to our first contestant in the worst Easter Sermon of the Year contest, Perry Noble, has thus far compared the resurrection of Jesus to Tiger Woods's comeback and winning the Masters Tournament this year, and he's made it very clear that Jesus understands relational pain. Yeah, we continue as he's still telling us about the relational pain that Jesus experienced. So far, no mention of Christ and him crucified for our sins, risen from the grave for our justification, or anything like that. I'm just one of those people that say, I got your back, I got your back, I got your back, and then looking back, you discovered the reason they had your back is so they could figure out where they could stick the knife so you couldn't pull it out. Everybody in this room knows what it's like to experience relational pain. And relational pain, if we just let it go, it'll cause us to be angry. It'll cause us to be bitter. It'll cause us to be hurtful. It'll cause us to want revenge and actually start celebrating when bad things happen to other. If you just let it go, it'll do that. Well, maybe we should forgive it. You know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You know, I'm just saying that 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 may be something we might want to consider. People, and that's not good for our for us and our souls and our lives long term. And I know, listen, I'm not going to minimize the relational pain that anybody in this room has gone through because it's real, it's legitimate, and it hurts. And I know it does, but I know that in Christ. You can overcome any relational pain that anyone on this planet has thrown your way. How do I know that? It's very simple. What does it mean to overcome relational pain in Christ? What's the cash value of that phrase? Paul said, I can do all things. Yeah, yeah. I've seen, you know, football players, you know... Put Philippians 4.13 under their eye black. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then they go on to lose. You know, that happens too. Not some things, but all things. How? Through Christ who strengtheneth me. I'm not saying it's easy. But I'm saying if Jesus overcame relational pain, and by the way, he did. Because after the resurrection, he did find the apostles. He found them all. And he did not lecture them. He loved them. And they went on to change the world. Relational pain. You're in it, but you can overcome it with Christ in you. The second type of pain that we go through is emotional pain. Now, how many of you... Uh, Emotional pain. Are we going to talk about sin at all? You know, sin. (laughs) we're sure not talking about that, are we, here? I'm an emotional person. A lot of people wouldn't guess that, but I'm emotional. Like, how many of you are, like, sympathetic criers? You just cry with other people. Like, if I started crying right now, you'd start crying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you put your hand down real quick. (laughs) Leave me hanging like that? 
Now, I cry at movies. Um, I do. I, like, uh, I went to see Creed in the theater. I'm a big Rocky fan. So and when I went to see Creed in the theater in the very end when he stood up, I just, I just lost it. I did. I, I'm just like that. And so um, several years ago, I had some minor surgery. They said it was minor surgery, but it was on me, so it was major. Um, so I was outpatient, and they sent me home with these pain pills, and they said, take these pain pills. They might make you emotional. So I'm already emotional taking pain pills that make me emotional. And a friend of mine had recommended this movie, um, I Am Legend. How many of you have seen I Am Legend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great movie. came out in 2007. And for those of you who had not seen it, I'm about to ruin it for you. Because um, I'm watching this movie, and first of all, zombies freak me out. I, I just, I can't, but he didn't tell me there were zombies in the movie, and so I'm freaking out. But at the end, y'all, when the dog died, and it didn't just die, it like gave its life. And sacrificed, I was a wreck. I called him. I was like, you didn't tell me. And the dog died. And I wasn't even drinking then. So don't even, I mean, I just kind of go ahead and address that real quick. Go ahead and rip that Band-Aid off. Because somebody probably, he was probably drunk. No, I wasn't. Hello, uh, the resurrection you you familiar the grave was empty dude have you considered that maybe it should be the central concept in your sermon here i love the self-deprecating humor and your again your timing as far as your humor is concerned is spot on clearly you have studied the best of the stand-up comics and their timing and their delivery um, you are not an exegete. What what text are we exegeting right now again? I, oh, this is unbelievable. This is me normal. That's why <laughs> I was talking to somebody the other day about Karis, my daughter. I was like, I'm looking for a movie for Karis and I to watch. And they're like, oh, you should watch Marley and me. I'm like, you can eat rocks. I know what happens to the dog at the end of that movie. I cried in the preview. Watching that movie with my daughter? Be having convulsions. She'd be like, Daddy, what's wrong? I will watch it with Chance, my dog, though. <laughs> Next time he pees on the car, we'll be like, Chance, check this out. <laughs> Do it again. Anyway, I'm an emotional person. Most people in this room, even the ones that say you're not emotional, you're emotional about something. All of us get emotional. Did you know that Jesus, when he was here on earth, experienced emotional pain? Now, here's what's crazy. Here's what's crazy. Maybe you've gone to church for years. You've never heard about this part of the story. But Jesus, Jesus went through emotional pain. I'll prove it to you. Watch this. Yeah, I'm sure he did. Um, yeah, you want to talk about that physical pain he went through on the cross, dying for your sins, Perry? He's, he's about to get arrested, but before he gets arrested, he goes to this place. Matthew says this. He said, Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Now watch this, watch this, it's very interesting. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which is James and John, along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. You ever thought about Jesus being sorrowful and troubled? Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point That's emotional pain. And by the way, it completely blows up the phrase used by people that are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. When you're going through a tough time, you've heard this. You've heard this. All you need is Jesus. All you need is Jesus. Yes. All you need is Jesus. Well, it sounds great, but let me ask you a question. If all you needed was Jesus, then why wasn't Jesus good enough for Jesus? Uh, 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 
<laughs> yeah, that, that's some bizarre pseudo profundity there. And you know, this is Perry Noble's redneck logic creeping in here. And you know, it, he's always kind of taking shots at whoever hurt him. You know, as a youth in the church. Yeah, because the the whole point of his church is to stick it to whoever whoever upset him or hurt him. Uh, when he was a teenager in the church. Jesus models for us that, yes, we do need him, but we need the help of others as well if we're going to really get past emotional pain. He opened up. He wasn't scared. One of the reasons that a lot of people say locked in emotional pain is you won't talk about it. And I'm not accusing you because I dealt with it for years and didn't want to bring it up. You know why? Because if you admit that you deal with things like fear, worry, anxiety, panic attacks, depression, you get labeled. People tell you, well, you're just not a good Christian. You just need to have more faith. There's some hidden sin in your life. There's something off with you. There's something wrong with you. If you just had more faith, you would be a better person. But here we have Jesus in the scripture saying, I'm overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He knows what it's like. To experience emotional pain, however, though he was there, he did not stay there. And you don't have to either. You know how I know? Because Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. If Jesus can, listen, he didn't get out of it. He got through it. And the same Jesus that got through it in you can get you through it too. Trust it from some. Listen, didn't you just make the point that all you need is Jesus? And then you took a shot at that and said, you know, that's not true. If that's not, if, if that were true, then Jesus needed more than Jesus to get through it. And now you're basically saying, I can do all things through Christ who strength. Isn't your like whole point number two, didn't you just contradict it? And shoot it down. <sighs> I'm in the process of getting through it myself. I can tell you it's better today than it was last week. Not because of anything I have done. But because what Christ has done in me. The third type of pain is spiritual pain. Have you, have you ever gone through a season where you just questioned God? It's like, you call it a dark, I call it dark, like a dark season spiritually. Like you question God, God, are you real? God, why did you let this happen to me? God, how could you let this go on? Have you ever, have you ever been there? Now, if you're a church person, you're told to say no, but I have. And I've had people go, oh yeah, I bet when all that happened to you, you went through a dark. No, I'm not talking about then. I'm talking about like last month. Like we all have dark times. I learned as a child that the darkness can hurt. Right? Till this day, right now, right in my life, I'm 47 years old. I have a nightlight in my room. And I have a nightlight for one reason. I'm scared of the dark. Like, if, if this... Again, we're, we're learning a lot about Perry Noble. Nothing. Just nothing about Jesus and his death and resurrection for us. If it dark, I would just start swinging. <laughs> I, I, would just, I would just go... I mean, it would just be crazy. I don't, I don't play that game. I've had people go, oh, you're scared of the dark room. Come by your place one night and scare you. I'm like, I got seven guns in my room. So go ahead. I'll introduce you to Jesus. I mean, you'll meet him. You'll meet him. I don't play. And the reason why, let me explain to you. This is the reason why I'm so messed up. Is my dad, now he's with Jesus now, okay? But he's gone, so I can blame everything on him. My dad grew up scaring me all the time. Scary, like he thought it was funny just to scare me. So he's jumping out from behind the wall and all this other stuff. One night I was getting in my bed and my feet, you know, feet, my dad was under my bed. This is how jacked up this was, okay? This is why I'm so messed up. My dad reaches out from under the bed, grabs my feet and screams as loud as he can, right? <laughs> so I said it, then I did it, if you know what I'm saying. Then I got in trouble because mama was with me. So anyway, so after that, after that, I was, I was, I kind of set up this thing where my bed was at the end of the, the bedroom. My light was here and we had a hallway. So I would, 
I would turn off the light, go to the end of the hallway, take off running, leap, and then land in my bed. I remember the first time I did it, my dad was under the bed. I was like, how you like me now? Anyway, so I kind of, and I did it every night. Well, there was a day that my mom decided to kind of rearrange my bedroom, and she moved my bed about a foot to the right. And I didn't notice, and she didn't tell me. <laughs> can't make this up. So that night, I cut off the light. I go in. Why are you telling me this? What does this have to do with the resurrection of Christ? Oh, take off running, and I dove. And as I'm in the air, I'm thinking, this fall is taking a little bit longer than the fall normally takes. And I discovered that darkness can hurt, right? All of us knows that darkness can hurt physically because you've stumped your toe or hit your knee or something when you're walking around. But spiritually, it can hurt too. Jesus experienced spiritual pain. Jesus experienced one of those God, where are you moments? Again, some funny looks because maybe you've never heard this before. But the reason he can identify with us and help us through it is because he went through it himself. He was put on trial. And Matthew says that Pilate, the guy that was ultimately the Roman official that convicted him, the Bible says that Pilate released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged. Now, we, we read that and we kind of gloss over it, but Matthew's original readers would have known being flogged. It was it's when you a man's hands were tied to a pole, to the top of the pole. His back would have been completely exposed, tightening. All right, so we're now talking about the sufferings of Christ. Well, maybe he's going to <clears throat> redeem himself, pun intended, and actually tell us something significant regarding the fact that Christ was vicariously suffering in our place on the cross, vicariously suffering uh, in his passion, in his being flogged and beaten and all that kind of stuff. This was for our sins. He was pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, Isaiah said, you know? Skin as much as possible. He's beaten with a cat of nine tails, which is a piece of wood with nine straps of leather. Intertwined in the leather were pieces of bone and glass and rock. And when the strip would hit a man, it wouldn't just, it wouldn't just fall off. It would stick, and the person whipping would pull the whip back, which would rip skin off. Most people didn't survive the flogging. And after that, after that he's put naked on a cross hung out for the world to see. And while that's going on, while all that's happening, what was he doing there? Why was he on the cross? Yes, it's good that you're mentioning and sharing some of the gory details of what it is that Christ suffered. Why? Now, I'm going to note here that we have roughly four and a half, five minutes left of the sermon. So, Christ's death and resurrection, bodily resurrection from the grave, is not going to be a main point of this sermon. And we're still on the point that Jesus experienced spiritual pain. And he's heading towards Christ's cry of dereliction on the cross. You can see where he's going with this quite easily. Matthew says that from noon... Until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. Can you imagine that? When it's supposed to be the brightest, it's the darkest. Many of us have experienced that in life. No, I haven't. I have. <laughs> Are you talking about an eclipse here? Notice he's allegorizing the darkness now to some difficult time in your life. That's not, it was an actual darkness. You know, the sun was darkened. It's a big deal. It was a cosmic event. What was supposed to be the brightest part of life went completely dark. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Sound like somebody in spiritual pain? 
See, we don't put that verse on t-shirts. We put like, it is finished, to tell us die, like stuff like that. But this is Jesus asking God, where are you? You've asked that question. You had a friend or a family member die and you didn't understand. You got diagnosed with a diagnosis that rocked your world and you didn't understand. Every single person in this room that's honest has been at this place before, but it's okay because Jesus went through it and overcame it. And in Christ, so can you and so can I. See, if this is where the story ended, we'd have- so it's good news. Jesus went through it, so you can go through it too. If he could do it, you can do it. That doesn't sound like the good news to me. Story of a great teacher that taught some great things, did a few great miracles, and then just vanished off the planet. But Matthew wrote one more chapter. In chapter 28, he said, after the Sabbath, and that's important because a Sabbath is a time where people rest. After the Sabbath, when it seemed like God was silent, And just because God is silent does not mean that God is absent. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, pause, how would you like to be her? Who are you, the other Mary? Okay, good, good, good. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Now, I love this. There was a vibe. Cue sappy music. This is an emotional manipulation technique designed to create the false impression That God, the Holy Spirit, is now descending on the audience in order to help them make a decision of some kind. Not sure what the decision is at this point, but he's finally, with three minutes left, decided to mention the empty tomb. He's going to try to land the plane here, folks, and stick the landing, although he was all over the place with this sermon. He's going to try to stick the landing and... Sneak the resurrection in here somehow. This is just reprehensible. Earthquake, because God likes to shake things up. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. Now, I love that verse. And the reason I love it is because if you study angels in the Bible, they always have an assignment. They got to go here. They are assigned this type of worship. They do this. They fly here. They go to this person. They're delivering messages. But I love the angel in this text. I don't know what his assignment was, but when he rolled back the stone, he was like, you know what? I'm going to sit right here and watch this. Thank you very much. This is the, I got a front row seat to the most important event in the entire world. If it's the most important event, why is it the last kind of thought that you snuck in at the end of the sermon rather than, you know, making the whole sermon about it? Thing called the resurrection. So the angels there, and by the way, his clothes were on point because the Bible says his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. And I think that's the message that God has for somebody here today. The message is do not be afraid. The, the, the cash out on this sermon is don't be afraid. He knows where you are. He knows what the struggle is. He knows what you're going through. He bled and died for our sins. It's The good news is not that Jesus can psychologically relate to you and have empathy. Although scripture does teaches, does teaches, teaches that he does understand our weaknesses, but that's not the point of the good news of the empty tomb. But do not be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. I'm going to go ahead and admit, he was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said, Come see the place where he lay. And the resurrection became the reason that you and I can have hope. Because I want you to listen to me. Jesus. Hope for what exactly? Never abandoned anything except an empty grave. He. Jesus hasn't abandoned anything except an empty grave. 
Oh, good grief. Still with you. He still loves you. He's still got a plan for your life. Still has a plan for your life. How about he bled and died for you? Calls you to repent of your sins. He rose victorious from the grave. That you've been united with him in his death and his resurrection. And that because of that, you have hope of eternal life. You know, things like that. And you, what what is this psychological gobbledygook that we're hearing here? So for those in this room that feel completely overwhelmed, I understand. But in you feel overwhelmed. How about do you feel guilt over your sin? Christ. In Christ, we can overcome. Jesus, thank you so much. The end. Yeah, that was. And that's the reason why he got to lead off this week. It's because of that horrible, awful, no good, not Christ-centered, psychological gobbledygook, Jesus and Tiger Woods overcomes, comeback nonsense. Ugh. What a what a miserable sermon. So what'd you think? By the way, you'll have the opportunity to vote once we post all these up on the website. You will have more than a week to vote and decide who you think should win this year's worst Easter Sermon of the Year contest. And that is contestant number one, Perry Noble Second Chance Church. All right, we're at the end of another edition of Fighting for the Faith. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you could do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash fire Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there at Fire Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. <laughs>